Welcome to Unsponsored Content. I'm your host, Jesse Resnick. Each episode we're going to release will focus on a person or topic that is unique, innovative, or inspiring here at Xander and beyond. Isn't that exciting? Let us turn up the beat. Greetings to all my virtual friends. I just wanted to give you a heads up that today's episode was recorded before the pandemic was declared as one, so keep that in mind as you're listening. Today's guest on Unsponsored Content features a very special person in my mind, and I bet if you are one of the 250,000 employees that make up AT&T, he's probably special in yours, or maybe you might even think of him as a celebrity. His name is Corey Anthony, and he is in New York City at Xander's home, and we are so excited to welcome him. Hello, Corey. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here as well. So so now I technically have two fans, Jesse, so I can count you. (laughs) along with my mom as as another fan. So I appreciate that. Oh, I love that. Number one and number two. (laughs) So you're coming all the way from Dallas, but I want to know more about your your LinkedIn just says that you've been on AT&T for like ever. So (laughs) what's your background? (laughs) Where'd you go to school? What's your deal? Yeah, yeah. So I'll give you uh, the Cliff Notes version. So born and raised in Texas. So I am a Texan through and through um, from a really small town, Jesse, in Texas. Uh, So think rural area. Um, went to college, graduated from Texas A&M University um, there, and I started with the company directly out of college. So you're right, I have been here forever. That was in September of 1995. So this year will make 25 years for me, assuming I make it that long. Mazel tov, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's cool, right? Yeah. Um, and then since I've been at AT&T, um, I really have been very fortunate and have had an opportunity to move around the business both functionally as well as geographically. So the move to Dallas, where I'm currently uh, working, was move number nine for me in the business in my first 13 years in the company. Um, so I'd moved a lot everywhere, and I was uh, immediately prior to Dallas was in San Francisco in the Bay Area. Um, but I've had an opportunity to work in every functional area in our company, with the exception of three. I've never had a direct role in what we call um, external and legislative affairs. So think of that as the group that does the lobbying in D.C. and the lobbying in the state houses, et cetera. Um, I've never had a direct role in what we call um, technology development or what most people think of as IT. Um, and then lastly, <clears throat> excuse me, I've never had a direct role in legal. And as I tell folks, I am not an attorney. So legal, I can rule out. I will not work <laughs> in legal. The other two, who knows? But uh, yeah, I've been fortunate. Uh, been an awesome career. Were the other two that you haven't spent time in those roles, was that by design or by choice? So it, um, I think a little of both. Okay. Yeah, so the, the areas that I have not worked in, Jesse, um, not necessarily by design on my part, right? Because I've had to partner with those organizations tremendously over the years. Um, but just the opportunity, the right opportunity, right time, and never materialized. That's very incredible. I feel like I don't know too many people that have spent their whole career at one company, let alone doing so many functions. So I can only imagine the knowledge that you have just ready to share. It's part of the reason um, why I've been here, right? And and I say this all the time, and I think this is applicable to all of us as employees. Always look at um, employment at any organization. It's a value proposition. So as long as I feel like I am getting as much value out of my experience here at AT AT&T, as I am providing value to AT&T by being here, then we're good. We're in balance. The moment AT&T feels like that equation is out of balance, then they will ask me to pack my things and leave. And the moment I feel like it's not in balance, I will voluntarily leave. 
So fortunately for me, that just hasn't been the case. And I've had multiple careers, but never had to leave the company. That's great. Yeah. So I want to talk about this value prop for employees that employers have um, kind of like as a a duty to their employees. And I know that you were super instrumental in getting AT&T to the top spot on Diversity Inc.'s top 50 companies for diversity in 2019. So I'm sure that was amazing and challenging all at the same time. How were you involved in making that happen? Yeah, we, we were extremely excited. Uh, when we learned that, you know, we were going to be named in that top spot. Uh, Let me be really clear. Um, That is work by all of us, right? That was as a result of the work by all of us. And so while the DNI team uh, did a lot of work uh, ensuring that we told our story appropriately and to the right folks and folks understood what we were doing, but the reality of it is that recognition reflects the work that all of you are doing. Um, So, yeah, so that's, so our role really was um, just ensuring that we are telling our story. And it's one of the things, candidly, I, I continue, even to today, I get frustrated at times because there is a tremendous amount of really good work that is happening all over this business by so many people as it relates to DNI. Um, but too often, we're just not fully aware of it. And so that's one of our challenges, this ongoing challenge. So the difference maker for 2019 is I think we just did a better job of telling that story um, to those external stakeholders. And I think that's how we ended up number one on that list. And you are the chief diversity officer at AT AT&T. What does that mean to be a chief diversity officer? (laughs) Uh, I was hoping you would answer that. That was a question (laughs) I had for you, Jess. So it means a lot of things. In terms of what I am, what I hold myself accountable for and what Randall and Angela and the rest of the business holds me accountable for, is just ensuring that we have the right strategy in place that we have the right tooling and resources, that we are able to effectively understand and appreciate our employees' concerns and what the challenges are there. And then that we are, I am always in the mode of anticipating what the next challenge or opportunity is going to be in our business as it relates to DNI. So I have that responsibility. So that means I'm working with everyone across the enterprise, all of the different operating companies, Xander, WarnerMedia, et cetera, um, just ensuring that we're executing on those things. So it's, it's not like I am responsible for what we do around DNI, right? Because if so, that would never be possible. We're a company with 250 plus thousand employees, right? 60 plus countries. So no one person is going to be responsible for that. But we do, we are accountable for ensuring that we're executing very, very well, very effectively across all of the operating companies as it relates to diversity and inclusion. Thank you for that. So we know what your job title is, but what does a day in the life of Corey look like? (laughs) A day in the life. So I get up every morning at 530, you know, get ready, make my way into the office. A typical day is probably not, you know, too much unlike yours, is a lot of conversations lots of meetings with stakeholders, both internally and externally. So lots of opportunities to do that. Quite a bit of travel uh, because we are a large company. And so we have, you know, employees obviously um, all over the globe and and domestically um, and stakeholders as well. So I spend a lot of time on the road listening. So I would say a typical day for me, the majority of it is listening and then connecting the dots between what I am hearing from stakeholders and connecting those dots to what we need to go and do in terms of actions that we have to take. Typical day. Amazing. Yeah, it's fun. It's actually fun. I should mention that too. I try and inject um, some levity and, and fun and humor in almost everything that I do. It's just my, uh, it's just me. 
Um, so it's a lot of fun as well. That's the only way for me to be at work too. It's fun. Um, so I want to back up a little bit and talk okay. about your earlier years. So I know that you were part of the leadership development program at a- at AT and T, also known as the LGP program. Yeah. Um, what was that experience like for you, and how can someone get involved that isn't a part of it today? That was uh, it. Was a super cool experience. Um, it was very informative. For me, it was so, so imagine this, right? You're graduating college, and I think at the time, I don't know, 22 years old or something like that. And you're, and I had done internships at multiple companies, right? So I had some experience, and I had quite a bit of experience actually in corporate America. But I show up at AT&T, and at the time, we were called Southwestern Bell. That's how, how long ago <laughs> it was. And your first role in the business is leading a team. Is leading a team. So I literally, my first job, I had, I think it was 14 or 15 people on my team. So I'm leading this team and it's an operations team. And so I have these metrics and this, the first time that I'm having to, I'm being held accountable for all of these things that I had to accomplish via other people, right? It wasn't work that I could do. I was very nervous. I was very nervous, but I was very excited. And I did have a level of confidence because again, I had some experience on campus. I led a lot of student organizations, et cetera. So I always felt like I could lead people, uh, but that was the first time I was being paid to do it. Um, So I was a little nervous, but uh, it was great. And then the way the program is designed um, is very intentional in moving you around the business uh, functionally. And so you get exposed to many areas of the company, which was the reason why I accepted that offer, because I had opportunities to go and work uh, for a number of companies, but that was the one thing that attracted me uh, to the business. So... What brought you to AT&T in the first place? Like, was it the leadership development program or did you have a family member that worked? I guess it was Bell Southwestern? Southwestern Bell. Southwestern Bell. Yeah, so I'll give you the really short version. So I was leading a student organization on campus at Texas A&M. And our organization um, at the time, Southwestern Bell or AT&T, decided that they would sponsor this organization. So they sent the guy down to present us the check. Well, they were smart. The person who came to present the check was also a recruiter <laughs> for the duty. program. Yeah, because I had no intent at working at AT&T, none, zero. And so while he was there, he started, he introduced the, uh, the leadership development program or the LDP program. And so he, he started telling me about this program and, you know, and he did a heck of a job selling the program. So that's how I got introduced to it. Very cool. The power of persuasion. Yeah, very much so. I want to talk about some of uh, maybe the less glamorous jobs that you've had at AT&T before you made it to uh, being a chief diversity officer. So have you ever worked in like a call center or a construction? I know that sometimes you get random trainings as an AT&T employee to climb ladders and fix yeah. things on tall poles. Yeah, very much so. So, I've, so the, the short answer is yes to all of those. So I have led organizations, call centers, or we call them now contact centers, I had a role leading that uh, organization for the business some years ago. I grew up on what we call LFO or the local field operations side of our business. So think about when you see technicians, right, driving around in in AT&T vehicles that are uh, plan, design, and building our network and maintaining our network. That's where I spent most of my time in my career in that part of our business Um, and absolutely love it. And so you're right. It is not... We don't typically think of that as glamorous work inside of the business, um, but it's incredible work. And you you end up working with some of the absolute best folks in this business. And it's close, direct connections with our customers, which is what I absolutely loved about it. So you've gone in this business from working literally with your hands to, um, you know, speaking on stages in front of hundreds and maybe thousands of people. Mm-hmm. When was that pivotal moment in your career? 
Yeah, um, probably. So we were. This was probably around the 2006 time frame, 2005, 2006. AT&T announced that we were going to acquire Bell South at the time in Singular Wireless. And so I was a part of the M&A team that executed on that deal. And so that was a really, that was a real inflection point in my career because in that role, um, I had the opportunity um, to present and work with all of the senior executives in our company, including our chairman at the time, who was Ed Whitaker. This was Randall was our COO at the time. And so it was one of the first times I got direct exposure to them. So it was a real inflection point for me. It was a great learning opportunity. Um, not to mention just a hell of a lot of work, Jesse. But, but it was super cool. And so that for me was a turning point. And that was the part at the time in my career where um, the business, I think, stopped viewing me only as a network leader. So I know that you've been or you are like the youngest employee to ever be named an officer at AT&T. And for those 250,000 employees that might be listening, that's a really big deal. Has age ever been a barrier to you in your career? So a couple of things. At the time, um, when I became an officer in 2009, um, I was one of the you know youngest officers uh, for sure. Fast forward now, uh, not necessarily the case. <laughs> Eleven years, right? Um, but you know, yeah. In, in terms of what I would say to employees and, and and what that has meant, a couple of things. Number one, and I say this often, and it's not me just um, uh, trying to be self-deprecating just for the sake of being self-deprecating. But it's not like there was anything really special about me. It was about opportunities. It was about opportunities. I've just been very blessed in my career to be in the right place at the right time quite a few times, <laughs> right? And then my part in that was, number one, I took full advantage of every one of those opportunities. So when given a chance to go and do something different, when you know I was called and said, hey, Corey, here's an opportunity to go lead marketing for one of our wireless markets, and I had never spent a single day in marketing. It's a little unnerving when you first get that question. Uh, but then I thought, hey, man, that's an opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. And so take advantage of those opportunities. Um, the other thing, and I cannot, we could spend the next two days talking, and I would make this point 26 more times. Make sure the sooner you understand this next concept that I'm about to describe, the more successful you will be. And I don't care where you sit in our business is you understand the difference between managing work and leading people. That is huge. And so many people get confused the two, even in language, but more importantly, in actions. I hear people to this day to say, well, hey, you know, I manage 22 people. Well, no, you don't manage them. You may manage the work that those 22 people are performing, but for you to be effective, you need to lead those 22 people. And so I had a really awesome mentor and champion early on in my career who helped me understand that. Who was that? Ray Wilkins. Ray Wilkins. And um, he's since retired and left the business, but he was, he's, he was just an incredible mentor for me and just hammered that home with me. You have to understand the difference between those two. And again, it's applicable if you're an officer in this business or you just started in this business three days ago. You need to understand that because you don't, around here especially, and I think Xander is one of the things I really appreciate about Xander, is you don't have to have a title. The, the leadership is not based on your title in this business, right? But it will be driven about how well you can lead other people. And so you can do that without the title. You can be that person on your existing team 
who steps up and leads, right? So true. And folks will recognize that. And when that happens, people always appreciate really good leaders who can drive and deliver results. And I can do those. Those are two things that I can do, and I can do those well. And so that's what's afforded me the opportunities over my career. That's amazing advice. I We talk a lot about... Um, management training and what it means to be a good manager and a good yeah. leader. But, you know, I think those two words are often confused. And I think that it's everyone's responsibility to lead each other, whether it's your peers, people that report into you, people that report that you report into. So that's really great advice. Um, switching gears a little bit, random questions for you. What is your guilty pleasure? So I, I probably do have a new guilty addiction here. And that's the breakfast club. Okay. I am because I love hip hop. I've said that two or three times. Mm-hmm. Um, so Charlemagne the God, is, if, if there's a, a celebrity that I do pay attention to, he's just funny to me, entertains me, and um, and he's a pretty cool cat. Um, so yeah, probably the Breakfast Club. Who was your first hip hop concert you went to? First hip hop concert, Digital Underground. Very cool. So so cool. Can I tell the story? Yeah, I tell the story. yeah. So I'm at Texas A&M, right? And um, my fraternity, I'm, I'm an alpha. I remember Alpha Phi Alpha. Um, 06 to the bros that are listening to it. <laughs> but um, so we're hosting, we had this big event. Then we would have on campus that would draw folks from the entire Southwest region, man. It was uh, called um, Alpha Phi Alpha Limps, Lip Sync Contest. So we would have this huge lip sync contest, but we'd also have some performer. So one year we had Digital Underground. And, and so they were the first concert. And so I had them down for the weekend and got to hang out with uh, Humpty, the whole crew, the, the whole weekend. That's so cool. It was So can you imagine this, right? You're a junior in college, and you're getting to hang out with these cats. That was fun. Um, we had Chris Rock. I had Chris Rock, hung out with him. Not as much fun. No. He was, like, super quiet, just really didn't engage much at all. So it was kind of a letdown, mm. right? Great performance. And that was, like, in the prime of his career, that right? It was, yeah. And he, um, he was so he was super quiet. I mean, didn't say much, and then he walked out on the stage and just killed it, and then came back. And He's like, probably hey. intimidated by you. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> may have been irritated by me, but uh, definitely not intimidated. What is one thing, like a person or a moment or experience that has influenced you most in your life? Influenced me, um, probably, and this is, uh, it is, uh, probably the death of my father. My father was killed in a car accident. He was really young. He was only 54. And um, I had just had my first kid. And so, and my, my pops was like my, like, hero, right? And, and, and so I had absolutely incredible parents, including father. And so, yeah, that just changed, changed everything for me, right? Um, in a good way, not in all in a negative way, uh, but in a good way and, and really helping me understand now and appreciate the value of each day, mm-hmm. right? Because that was so sudden. It was the day after Father's Day. So I literally had just been home spending Father's Day Stayed overnight. He asked to, hey, to keep my son at the time. So my wife, I'm like, okay, cool. I get back to Houston. I was working in Houston at the time. Two hours later, I get the call. So, so it really helped me understand that, hey, man, every moment is precious. Um, and the things that we often think are really serious and we make a big deal about, really not. So that's just changed my professional life, my personal life, everything. Yeah. Wow. I'm speechless. It's really cool, though, to see that you've been able to honor him in such an incredible way and that you're able to think of him in such a bright light on a daily basis. Yeah, no, it's a positive thing. I know this is uh, should be a little more upbeat than that, but, I mean, it is it is what it is, but it really is a positive. So I look at it now in terms of the change that it had on my life. Impact's a positive thing. Mm-hmm. How many kids do you have? I have two. 
Yeah, I have a 15-year-old daughter uh, and a 17-year-old son. Teenage years. Good luck with that. (laughs) Yeah, trust me. I need all the luck and prayers that I can get. Um, All right. Is there anything you'd like to leave us with our very diverse audience on how you stay focused and keep your teams encouraged? Yeah, you know what? Um, Thanks for giving me this opportunity. Um, Absolutely. There's a couple of things. And, And I think to the extent that we do these two things and we do them well, um, we will have a incredibly positive impact, not only on the culture at Xander and the broader AT&T, but honestly, the, the communities. Number one, step outside of our echo chambers. And what I mean by that is quit consuming information only from sources that already feel like, think like, believe what you believe, think, and feel. Quit reinforcing that for yourself. That's, a, that's, that's huge. Um, and that's so problematic. Not, again, not just inside of AT&T and Xander, but um, society in general. So we absolutely have to do it. And we have to be intentional about it. What's an example of how you do that? So every day, right, I have this routine I go through each morning. So on my way in, I'm listening to the radio. And more times than not, um, it's like Ricky Smiley, Steve Harvey. So think black radio, uh, which tends to lean more liberal. Mm-hmm. Right, it's more left-leaning, more liberal. Um, and then my music choices, hip-hop, R&B, and et cetera, more left-leaning. So I do that in the mornings. I try and sneak away many days, uh, probably two or three days a week during lunch, and I will leave the office, and I'll go. I have a favorite street taco spot. I'll go grab a couple of those, go back to my car. And then while I'm sitting in my car, I will listen to Rush Limbaugh. Which swings all the way to the other end of that spectrum, right? Very right-leaning. So I'll get a few minutes of rush, and then in the evenings, Mark Levine, who, again, is very right-leaning. So on a daily basis, I I will hear about these issues from all spectrums and then, you know, listen to your CNN and Foxes of the World, which are a little little bit more moderate um, in their positions than a Rush or, you know, a Joe Madsen. But I'm consuming it from these different sources, and, and what it does for me, Jesse, number one is um, I learn more because if you haven't realized, if you only listen to one source or consume from one source, you're not getting the full story. I don't care who that source is. And so, one, I learn more. Two, and I think this is most important, is it allows me to have more empathy for folks across the entire spectrum. Right. And I never talk about publicly where I am on that spectrum because mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't matter. But it helps me have more empathy for how people view these issues across the entire spectrum. And that level of empathy or that increased level of empathy allows me to connect with people better. So I understand it. Um, So that's number one, step outside the echo chambers. Number two, uh, at all costs, avoid binary thinking. Avoid binary thinking. Well, what do you mean by that, Corey? Think of binary, right? I'm a technical guy, network guy. Normally, we think of it in the context of, you know, zeros and ones, right? When you think of programming, coding, et cetera, mathematical expression of it. But in this context, it's really saying that, look, I'm approaching an issue, whatever this issue is. And I think there is only one of two possible outcomes, right? I'm binary. I think there's only two possible outcomes. And there's only one that's the right one, which 99.9% of the time is going to be what? My position on the issue. And so the issues and the reason why we have to avoid that binary thinking is because there's almost none of these issues that we are struggling with as a society today and even as a business in many respects is that simple. 
where there's only two outcomes. It's not the case. Mm -hmm. And so we're oversimplifying these issues. They are much, much more nuanced than that. And when you approach it that way, not only do you oversimplify, but you're always going to end up landing on only your position is the right one. Everybody else is wrong on this issue. Not different, but they're wrong. Yeah. How did we turn an issue like that into a politically divisive issue? And so you have people around this country today, I guarantee you, who are having debates and arguments about how we should, you know, deal with this virus. Whether or not it's a pandemic or not. Whether or not, I mean, it's like, are you kidding me? In the meantime, it's steady spreading. Yeah. Those are really two good bits of advice to step outside of our echo chamber and avoid binary thinking. I love yeah. that. Sorry to get on my soapbox on that one, but I no, can't tell I'm a little passionate about those two. I, I think they really can make the difference. And then this is part of the beauty of this role and all of us and, and you guys here, Xander, being a part of, of the AT&T family of companies. It's 250 plus thousand of us around the globe. And so just imagine if we get that right, Jesse, if, if we do those two things really well and we get this right, the impact that we can have in a positive way. And so I just think it, it has the potential to be really, really impactful. Definitely. Totally agree. Thank you so much, Corey. I'm really excited to see you Thanks on stage later me. with Michelle and Brian. And I hope you enjoy the office. I will. Appreciate it. Thank you. Unsponsored content is produced by the best producer in the game, Christine Rubenstein and Matter Communications, with special support from the best communications team in the game, the Xander Comms team. For the latest updates so you don't miss an episode, follow us on social media at Xander on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. If you like this podcast, which I know you did, follow and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, here's a scoop.